Hello, everyone. Welcome to the broadcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about freedom from prayerlessness. Beryl and I have developed a freedom series of six different books. Freedom from prayerlessness, freedom from addiction, freedom from failure, freedom from unforgiveness, freedom from rejection, and freedom from chaos. We are so excited about this freedom series. You can get those by going to lifeoffreedom.site. You can buy them individually or a special price for a bundle. But today, we're going to focus on being delivered from the spirit of prayerlessness, and we know it's going to be a blessing to you. But just before we go into the teaching, we're going to take you to a powerful testimony of deliverance. You're going to hear of God's power being demonstrated in a supernatural way because Galatians 5 says it is for freedom that Christ has made us free. So watch this, be blessed, and then we'll go into the teaching. I grew up in a very difficult home environment. My dad was extremely abusive to my mom, physically, emotionally, and mentally, and to my brother and me. I remember us hiding under our bed many times, hearing her scream from being beat. Things actually took a significant turn for the worse in June of 1985, when my brother and I were home alone for the first time. For the first time. We were supposed to be cleaning house with the hopes of going swimming that evening and I heard what sounded like a broom drop, and I thought that was from the cleaning. It was from my brother accidentally shooting himself. Shooting himself. His friend came and was hysterical to let us know that something had happened. Um, and by the time we could get him help, he had passed away. And due to that, my dad blamed me and would not allow me to be at home for uh, Christmas, and I had to go spend time with my aunt, unable to be there. So that was a very difficult time for me. I graduated high school uh, a couple of years after that and went on to college. And I was trying to improve my life, wanted to be different because my parents, neither one had a high school education, but I didn't do so well there either. Um, ended up leaving after partying, partying a good bit and got married to a guy from high school. Uh, was pregnant before I got married and had a baby thinking, you know, that maybe this would bridge the relationship between my dad and me. Not pregnant because of that, but thought that would be a result. Um, in 1990, uh, six weeks after my son was born, things really um, turned drastically bad. So I thought by having a, a grandchild, my dad would change, but that didn't happen. And after the second child, his second grandchild in 1990, um, he came over to our house after, and after a short altercation, opened fire. And after that, as a result, my husband had to shoot him to defend us and ended up killing him. That was actually on June the 9th, 1990, which is the same day that my brother was buried five years earlier. So after that, I decided that something had to give, something had to change, and I really felt like I was cursed, oppressed. Um, Brian and I got into church after the tragedy with my dad, and we sat under some really good teaching about deliverance and de declarations and just freedom, you know, breaking free. And we started applying some of those things into our lives in terms of, of speaking into our kids and 
So in June of 2000, I was really expecting things to take a downward spiral because every five years that had happened. In June of 85, my brother was killed. In June of 1990, all of that happened with my dad. In June of 95, my first cousin was killed uh, by a gun with her, by her boyfriend. And so I was expecting the worst. And, you know, even though we'd been going to church and trying to apply these principles we learned of deliverance and freedom, um, I was still expecting the worst. But boy, was this year different. Um, June of 2000, I'll never forget the events that occurred that month. My husband, after much prayer, was truly saved and set on fire for the Lord under uh, Kent Maddox, or at a service in which Kent Maddox preached at a church in which we attended at the time. And that was a joyous moment for us. I mean, that was just huge. You know, he had caught a little bit of it in the past, but really sold out for the Lord in 2000. Same month, I was interviewed by Jacksonville State University for a job that would put me on day shift and being home with the kids and was offered that job. So my life has been unbelievably changed since the year 2000. I went on at JSU to pursue my MSN and then to UAB for my doctorate. I became the Associate Dean of JSU College of Nursing in 2011 and on to become the Dean in 2013 of the College of Nursing, which is now the School of Health Professions and Wellness. So the life my kids have is unbelievable compared to what I had or even what my husband had. My daughter is happily married with three babies and is pursuing her DNP at the University of South Alabama. My son is happily married and has a degree in social work. So they have really lived outside the curse that we were under for so long. The life I live now is so radically different than what I knew before. Just knowing that curse has been gone is unbelievable. It is simply amazing and such a feeling of freedom. My name is Christy Shelton and this is my story. When telling you about our Freedom Series, we mentioned the book, Freedom from Prayerlessness, I Pray 1.0. I want to spend a few moments with you today and talk about being delivered from prayerlessness. That's why I wrote this book, and I wrote it with the concept, this was back when I was being introduced to technology and the iPhone became very popular and there were a lot of apps, how to do different things. And so I wrote this along those basics, and the apps are apps from heaven I call iPath, I seek, I imagine, I search, I ask. And these are all thoughts and principles and concepts from God's Word of how to develop a powerful spiritual prayer life. Now, I don't know about you, but I would like to say that my prayer life is always on fire and always on the top of my game, but it's just not true. I go through different seasons. I go through different times in my own life. I go through discouragement. I go through low times, high times, but there is a consistency that I aim for in prayer because it makes such a huge difference in our life. And so hopefully in the next few moments, I can give you some of the concepts that we talk about in the book that will help you be delivered from prayerlessness. The first thought or concept I'd like to talk to you about is when we talk about I seek. That's a very interesting word. What prompted me on this study was there was a scripture that God had given me in 2 Chronicles, I believe it's 26, 5. I've got a note here, and it simply says, as long as they sought the Lord, God made them prosper. 
That's why prayer is so important to me because I know as long as I seek God, as long as I seek God's will, seek God's purpose, seek God's timing, seek God's provision, that that will cause my life to prosper. But when I looked at that word salt, that's where I got all these different meanings from this app. It's a very vast word when you think about he sought the Lord. One of the main powerful points of this word is that of a path. It simply means a path. Now, isn't it interesting that God's word says something like that? His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I believe that's the path into God's presence. Why is that important? Because seldom does God invade our realm. What prayer is all about is us invading God's realm. And so when we think about a path, the more consistent we can become, the more uh, faithful we can be on a daily basis, what happens is it gets easier and easier and easier because the path becomes more and more and more clear. So I don't know about you, but there's been times I've had opportunity to walk out in the woods. My family had a farm that I got to spend some time on growing up and then even later in my adult life. And you could tell there were certain paths in the woods or in the forest where people or even even animals had trod or walked daily. And so what happens is the underbrush and the growth and all the thicket that you have to get through day after day after day, if you continue to tread the same path, what happens? It gets easier and easier because it's beaten down. It's clear. There's a pathway through. That's what consistency in prayer does in the spirit. It creates a clear path. And over time, in the beginning, it may take me you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes to invade God's word world or get into the spirit, some would say, or to enter God's presence. But over time, it becomes almost instantaneous because of the consistency of creating a path. I'll never forget, I was with two prophets, renowned prophets years ago. We were sitting having breakfast, and they were very powerful men of God. And they were talking about aspects of the spirit realm that I knew absolutely nothing about. And I was just sitting there shocked and astounded at how much revelation knowledge they had about the spirit realm, about God, about how God works. And I thought in my heart, I said, God, these must just be special men who have, you know, just had special encounters with you or maybe specially been chosen by you. And just like this, the Holy Spirit said, no, they're spies. I said, what do you mean by spies? He said, I've allowed them to go into the promised land of my spirit and to come back and tell you what's available if you want to enter in. And it changed the whole way I looked at the way God was working. Yes, you've probably heard of renowned people with renowned prayer lives and renowned spiritual gifts. These aren't special men and women. These are men and women that have pioneered a path or cleared a path in the spirit through prayer so that now they have access to the spirit realm. So one of the most powerful concepts of prayer, a consistency in prayer that I have found, I heard Dr. Paul Youngie Cho, a great man of God from Seoul, Korea, who built Prayer Mountain, who had an opportunity to visit there in Korea, where literally tens of thousands of people still pray there every day, pastored a church of over one million people, and basically gave all that effort and endeavor that the Lord had blessed him with to the concept of he was a man of prayer. And he, along with the man I was uh, trained by, equipped by, Pastor Benny Hinn, 
He had the concept of a system of prayer or a path of prayer that made it available for me to be more consistent and more faithful in praying. And that is found in the tabernacle of Moses. And so I want to share with you these concepts that I believe will help you if you're desiring or hungering to find a path or develop a path or clear a path in the spirit in prayer. There were seven pieces of furniture in the tabernacle, and now it's a big in-depth teaching, and the very concept of prayer is a massive thought. So I won't be able to tell you all of it, but I think I can give you enough that we can break through from prayerlessness and start out in a new journey together. I'm actually excited about my own prayer life right now. I've been praying for 40 years to the Lord, and I've had ups and downs and successes and failures, and I honestly found myself in kind of a lull, but when I began to listen to the teaching I'm sharing, going to share with you today, I was reignited with a fresh passion to seek the Lord in prayer and allow Him to prosper my life. These seven pieces of furniture, the tabernacle, began with an outside. The very first piece was the brazen altar. That was the first step into the tabernacle as the high priest would journey from the outer court to the inner court to the Holy of Holies. And we see it as a pathway of prayer. Now, the second piece of furniture was a laver, which is where they would wash the washing of the hands after the sacrifice was made. Then there was a lampstand, and that was where the 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 the, the, the eight uh, candles, the the seven um, pieces of the menorah, and then there was the showbread, the table of showbread, the altar of incense, and then the mercy seat. So when you look at these seven pieces of furniture, they're all aspects of prayer that you and I can use as a guide to guide us into the presence of God on a daily basis. Now, here's what I find fascinating, and that is on the beginning of this journey through the tabernacle of Moses, and there's lots of great studies out there. I encourage you, you can go online and watch Pastor Paul Youngie Cho's uh, teaching on this. It's very, very powerful. But my concept, the very outside, the way in, there was there was a gate that allowed you to entrance into the, into the tabernacle. And then there was a... Uh, a wall or a curtain that allowed you to go from the outer court to the inner court, and then there was a veil that allowed you to the Holy of Holies. Now, I find this fascinating. The name of the gate, which was the entrance into the tabernacle, was called uh, the way. The curtain in the middle of the inner court was called the truth. The veil was called life. Isn't it interesting? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. Jesus himself has made a way for you and I to daily enter God's presence through his sacrifice on the cross and through his own blood shed that allows you and I now access to God's presence in prayer. But let's delve quickly into these seven steps of prayer that you can do on a daily basis. And this is how I pray in my own personal prayer life. The very first place I go in prayer when I uh, go in the morning. Now, I like to get on my knees. You can pray walking, you can pray laying, you can pray standing, you pray sitting. But I find it something significant about the posture of prayer. When you go throughout the Word of God, it talks about bowing your knee to God. And so I simply like to find a quiet place, bow my knees to God, and I go simply through this pattern of prayer of the tabernacle. The very first place I go is the altar of sacrifice. This reminds me of the cross. And so my daily beginning of prayer is I start thanking God for 
the cross. I thank him for my exchange, my sin for his righteousness, uh, my guilt for his blessings, my, my mistakes for his promises, and just go through an exchange and a remembrance and celebrate the power of the cross daily. This is a revelation that it's not me, it's Christ. It's the power of his cross. It's his sacrifice on the altar that allows me in, to enter the presence of God. And it's just a powerful time of beginning. We all make mistakes each and every day. So it's a daily confession of my mistakes, my failures, my weaknesses, uh, my sin, my, my missteps. And it's a fresh cleansing. I, I always normally go to the scripture. I say, God, thank you for your blood that cleanses my consciousness from dead works so I can serve the living God. The second place in prayer that I go to then in my mind, in my imagination as I'm praying, is I go to the, the, the laver. This was a beautiful place that was made by brass mirrors. Women sacrificed their brass mirrors to produce a laver so that you could actually see yourself in that reflection. This is what James talks about as we look into the mirror of liberty, but we go away and forget who we are. And this is the Word of God. This is the washing of the water of the Word. This is Ephesians 5 that says Jesus is coming back for a glorious church, a glorious bride that's been washed by the water of the Word. <coughs> Excuse me. This is when I normally take a time to just confess God's Word speak God's word out over my life and over my family. I, I say things like, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Uh, uh, the, the Lord Jesus is my savior. He is my shepherd. I shall not want. And I just speak out loud scriptures and psalms, even open the Bible and read out loud psalms and scriptures over my life and over my family. And I'm going to be honest with you, when you start this path, instead of just going to God with all your needs and requests, if you go with this heart of humility at the altar and then go to the word at the labor, now it, you in the past you may have prayed for everybody you know and you've only prayed five minutes. Now you could have prayed probably 10 or 15 minutes just at these two points and you're just getting started. But then there's the third piece of furniture, which is the lampstand, which is illumination, which speaks of revelation. These seven lampstands speak of the seven spirits of God. This is the spirit of counsel and might. This is the spirit of of wisdom and understanding. This is the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord and the centerpiece, the spirit of the Lord. This is Isaiah 11. I call upon the seven spirits of God. Revelation Zechariah says these are the seven eyes of God looking throughout the whole earth wanting to show themselves strong on those behalf whose heart are seeking after God. So now I'm in a realm by the time I've prayed through the altar of sacrifice and I've prayed through the labor, now I'm in a place of being illuminated. These spirits begin to work in my life. I call them to me in my family, in my work, in my effort that day because Zechariah says, it is not by might, it is not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. But then after that, you get to the a table of showbread, which is the next piece of furniture. And with the table of showbread, this is the presence of Jesus. Normally by the time I get through the altar of sacrifice, through the labor of the word, through the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Now it's the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. And now his presence begins to permeate my heart and my mind. By this point, normally 
I'm talking less and I'm listening more. In the beginning, it's me doing all the talking. But by the time I've gotten to the through the altar, through the laver, through the lampstand, now I'm at the showbread. This is more when I'm just sitting, waiting in God's presence. Why? This is powerful. Isaiah 40 says something like this. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not go weary, walk and not faint. Now, as you've prayed yourself to this place, and of course, through this time, there's petitions, there's there's supplications. I've, I've asked God to bless my family. I've asked God to bless me, to bless the day. It's all part of the process. But now by the time you get to this beautiful place of the table of showbread, now you're waiting in God's presence. And it might be five minutes or 10 minutes, it doesn't matter, but you just quietly wait. And as you do, the Spirit of God, the presence of Jesus will absolutely just begin to permeate your heart and your stress will begin to be alleviated. Your anxiety begins to go away. Your your thoughts about what you can do begin to fade. Now you begin to be enveloped in the presence of Jesus. And then that leads you to the powerful place of the altar of incense. Normally at this point, Worship begins to come out of my heart to God. I begin to worship His name. That's why when Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, Hallowed be your name. There's seven redemptive names of God. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Shema, the Lord ever present with me. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord my righteousness. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord who fights my battles for me. These, these names of God, I just begin to, to call them out and worship my God, worship our Heavenly Father. And normally, out of nowhere, a song will just come up in my heart. Maybe it's a worship song I heard on Sunday. Maybe it's an old hymn. I love the old hymns. But at this point, all my prayer now becomes worship. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 100, come before His presence with singing. Now, by this time, I'm really going through the pathway of prayer. I'm through the pathway of the tabernacle. And now I am not only is God ministering to me, but I am actually ministering to him. I had a really cool experience one time in this pathway of prayer. I had been praying along these lines and I got to this place of worship. And as I began to worship Jesus, I had like an open vision. And in this vision, I saw Jesus in heaven. And in heaven, Jesus literally uh, got up as as I was worshiping worshiping him and walked out into heaven and he was walking around telling people wow I just got blessed it would be like me and you going to a church service and having an encounter with God and going out and telling our friends and family wow I just got blessed by God and it was Jesus was telling people around him in heaven how he had been blessed by my worship and it blew my mind to think that my worship could have such an impact on heaven and an impact on Jesus and then it hit me. Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And I realized that my worship has an impact on Jesus himself and heaven. As I worship him, it actually blesses Jesus. I love that, that not only is Jesus a blessing to me, my worship and my prayer is a blessing to him. That's why in Acts, it says that they were fasting and praying and ministering unto the Lord. So if you can see, it starts about me and all my needs and my weaknesses. 
weaknesses and my my misgivings and my exchange at the altar of sacrifice, then the washing of the water of the word, then the illumination of the Holy Spirit, then the presence of Jesus. And now it begins to change to where not only am I receiving, I'm giving back to the Lord. And then finally, I wind up at the mercy seat and the ark of the covenant. This is the holy of holies. So now I have made the transition all the way from the outer court into the inner court. My friend, Pastor Benny Hinn used to teach so powerfully. In the outer court, it's very noisy, but in the Holy of Holies, it's very quiet. Why? Now I've moved past my flesh, past my desires, past my needs, past my wants and the things that are happening in my life, and now I am enveloped in the presence of God. And this is when the scripture takes place, John 10, 10, my sheep hear my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. This is that place that you wind up in clearing this path in the Spirit. Now I have entered or I have invaded God's realm. And now all things become possible. Now God can speak to me. God can show me things. God can lay impressions upon my heart. He can show me people to pray for. He can speak to specific areas of my life himself and change and alter my destiny and my purpose because now I have pioneered this path into his presence and he is able that day to speak to me. Now, being totally transparent and honest, every day is not a glorious adventure. Every day is not overwhelming uh, experience with God's presence. But if I'm faithful to follow this pattern on a day-to-day -day basis, some days it's just awesome. I have tremendous encounters and experiences. Others, other days, it's just me being faithful in prayer. But what happens is if you will follow this pattern over time, you will find yourself being delivered from prayerlessness and you will have pioneered your own path in the Spirit. And now, Prayer that used to be difficult or hard to understand now becomes a journey that you absolutely will be enthralled with. And so let me hit the points one more time. The outside, the beginning point, the, the altar of sacrifice. This is where it's the cross. This is when we're exchanging our weakness for God's strength. Then the labor. This is when we go to the Word of God and it's the washing of the water of the Word. The illumination, then the seven spirits of God being invoked into our life, knowing that it's not by might, not by power, but by His Spirit. Then the, then the showbread, the table of showbread. Jesus is the bread of life. The Lord's Prayer, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Then worship that comes out of my heart to God. And then the Holy of Holies, the mercy seat, where God's mercy is covering the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible says, God said so specifically, this is where I will meet with you. And what's so significant, it is in that Ark were three items, the table of commandments, the rod, the, the rod that budded, and manna. That's what God instructed Moses to put in the Ark of the Covenant. Why is this so powerful? Because all three of these elements speaks of our rebellion. The manna, that's when they rebelled in the wilderness, the table of commandments. Moses broke those and had to go and go up and get more. The rod to budded, that's when the people had rebelled against God's authority and leadership. And God said, right here on top of on top of your rebellion, I will create a mercy seat where the blood of my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, will cover that so you and I can have the intimate fellowship we need for you to receive everything you need in this life. This is why Hebrews forces it so powerfully. Come boldly to the throne of grace that you might find mercy and help 
in time of need. I'm praying for you today that as you begin to take steps into a prayer life, and you may already have an exuberant prayer life, and if so, I hope I've maybe been an encouragement for you to continue. But if you're struggling with prayer, I pray that you would begin to follow this path of prayer. I pray you get this book uh, uh, on being delivered from prayerlessness in our Freedom Series. We'll be telling you more about how to get that. But I just wanted to release a blessing on you and on your prayer life today as you begin this journey with your Heavenly Father. So I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. We're crying out to you today. Lord, we want a vibrant prayer life because we know that's how we invade your realm and that's how we receive of your spirit. And so, Lord, I'm asking you to bless us Teach us, instruct us, empower us with your word so that we can have a vibrant prayer life and that we can receive everything that you have for us. We thank you for delivering us from prayerlessness because, God, you said in your word, as long as they sought the Lord, you made us to prosper. So, Lord, I'm just speaking blessings and prosperity and a faith-filled prayer life upon your people today, and I do it in Jesus' name. Amen.